Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Rivaldo! Oh, it's come on, Ronaldo! Brazil are in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's a good And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, JJ Devaney, another unbelievable day at the World Cup. What's up, brother? Oh, man. I feel as if I've had football inserted into my brain. Like, all the football has been delivered into my brain like the matrix you know when they hook them up and you press uh you press x and y and then you have all the martial arts skills in the world and it suddenly goes into your brain that's what i feel like right now i'm not worried about this podcast being good i'm worried about this podcast like me forgetting things because so much happened yeah it's it's been that kind of week at this tournament it has been so much fun the drama has been on just like cranked up to 11 over the past few days i mean really since we got to the third group stage match even before then the drama has been at an elite level um which kind of like not not to go negative but it almost makes me sad i mean i saw a lot of this circulating on twitter a lot of people are talking about this but like you may not see this kind of stuff again in the group stage fifa of course moving away from this format um at the next world cup to the what is it? It's the 16 groups of three. Um, you're not going to get the the simultaneous matches being played at, at the ends, you know, where, where you've got teams kind of like playing each other through the television. Yeah. Uh, like you, you're just not going to get that anymore. And it's, it's sad because this is just like this current format. It's, it's just perfect. And it's guaranteed drama. 
Like, you know you're going to be getting some of the just, like, most unforgettable two hours that you can get with teams, like, keeping an eye on the other match, and then one thing happens and it swings goal difference another way, and so now someone else needs a goal, and it's just, like, it's just it's just the highest level of drama. And, God, it just stinks that they're moving away. I, I saw J.J., because a lot of people are bummed about it, so, like, there's been different articles written about how can we keep this. If, if we're going to the 48 teams, which is happening, wrap your mind around it, there's no going back. Uh, how can we maintain this? I saw uh, Henry Bushnell had an article at Yahoo Sports where he talks about you could do 12 groups of four. So that gets you to, that's the 48 teams. The top eight, like the best. Uh, 12 of the groups of four. Right. And then of those 12 groups, uh, the, of the teams that finish first in the groups, the best eight of those advance automatically to the knockout stage. Then the next four, along with all the second-place finishers, go into kind of like a playoff, and then the eight that come out of that would join them. So, the, fact we, the fact we have to talk about this, and, and I really want to get off this subject because it's, it's absolutely depressing. The fact we have to talk about this shows how football and, and the governing bodies of football, UEFA and FIFA, want to eat football. They just want to destroy it. Everything that's good about it. I mean, I didn't want it to go to 32 teams, but actually, no, I like it. Your so top two teams. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, w- I was going to ask you about that specifically because it went to the 32 teams for the 98 World Cup in France. And I was going to ask you, okay, was there outrage then over that shift? Because we all agree now, at least, mo- I don't know, I don't know anyone that feels differently, that this is perfect. 32 is a, it's the right number. Uh, it, like, it just seems like this is how it should be. Now, is that just because that's what we're used to in 20 years when it's 48 and the next guy is going to try to get it up to 64, the next FIFA president? Are we going to say, oh, 48's perfect. Why are you going to mess with it? Like, is, is that how it is? Were people no, mad when it went from 24 to 32? There, there was some rumblings, but don't forget the, the, way, the ways to, to uh, display your dissent then was to write a letter to your association. There was no internet. There was no online rage. Not in right. the same way there is now. So... It was announced. Some pundits talked about it, thought it was a bad idea. I mean, it did eliminate the stupid things you saw in 94 and 90, you know, with third-place t- third teams qualifying out of groups and uh, having to decide who's the best-placed third. You know, it, it did get rid of that. But, but I mean, look, it's, they, got, they got to the right formula. Just leave it as it is. Anyway, I don't want to talk about this. There's actual Why? football. I think okay. I think the the people the drama of these last couple of days. I think people are interested. Yeah, in, but in... let's talk about the actual drama. All We've right, got we will relax. Four years or three years to talk about the, this this other stuff. If only all of you out there could have heard the way he was speaking to me before the show tonight. It, it's appalling. I don't know what's happened to him. I'm just um, so busy, and I have no time. Zero time. For for obfuscation yeah. and, and and mental math, I Henry Bushnell with his calculator. I've no time for any of this. I want Don't to talk blame about him. I bet football. that article got it, it did huge numbers at Yahoo. Good for him. I won't be reading it. I'm going to send it to you right now. We'll stop the pod. I might even read it to you on the podcast. The entire all, thing. In 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 all seriousness, can you yeah. lay out for the people what they can expect on this wonderful pod? Sure. We're going to talk more math and more tournament formats. Uh, but then we're going to actually talk some soccer because it was an unbelievable day. Belgium, a golden generation has withered away into what's a, what's a medal that is just like nowhere near that of gold. Um, um, aluminum, lead. 
lead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like this is this is slowly spiraled into the lead generation. So we'll talk about that. Germany for the second consecutive World Cup gone in the group stage. Uh, we'll talk about the drama of Japan. Argentina made the sweat it out a little bit. Messi missing the penalty, but then his teammates picking him up, which is kind of the thing we've been waiting to see throughout much of Messi's uh, tenure with Argentina. We'll talk about that. Oh, by the way, the U.S. are uh, are still playing. They are the lone CONCACAF representative taking us into the knockout round. I'm sure all of CONCACAF will be behind us. I can I could high-five Jack Warner, JJ. I think even he's excited about it. Oh, maybe not. Um, but so we'll start to preview the game on Saturday because that is really what has occupied 98% of my brain over the last 48 hours or so. I've you've, been one of the most unproductive people on planet Earth you've since morphed the U.S. Into, qualified. You've morphed into old patriotic Andy. It's unbelievable. You, at one point, the, the, tech, the, the text you were sending me looked like the tweets of someone who calls himself a, UM, a USMNT forever or USMNT stat or USMNT uh, gods or something like that. That's what that's what it looked like. And and fair play to you. I love that excitement. Um, but I I would say you need to now, Andrew, because I am I'm trying to pilot this ship. Oh my god! You need to now lay out for the folks what we're doing for Saturday's game against against the Netherlands. How are we going to give them the pod that they deserve? Well, I think the way we left it was that when the game ends, we would like to do another YouTube live stream. Yeah. That was the impression I got from our conversation in between beratings. Um, so I, I think that that's the plan right now. So when that game goes final, as was the case after the England match, um, I would say a few minutes later, I mean, I guess it'll depend, but I'd say a few minutes after that, roughly, head to the YouTube stream, subscribe, notifications on, all the things that you're supposed to do. Tell your friends. Tell everyone. Walk up Comment, to strangers and tell like. Them. All those things. So, yeah, that's as of now, that is the plan. All right. If it changes, I'm going to go to each of your doors, knock on them and tell you what we're going to be doing instead. But right now, I think that's the expectation. And I, I can't wait to do it. Um, I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll talk I about know. that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in this podcast. Um, I should say also, JJ, before we continue, that tonight's podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Yeah, the best soccer teams in the world are competing for the cup. DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is where to go to bet on the tournament. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $150 in free bets if your pregame Moneyline bet wins. For even more action, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, toggle on the same-game parlay feature, and combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code OFFSIDE, and kick in $5 on any team. Get $150 in free bets if your pregame Moneyline bet wins. That's code OFFSIDE, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is free bets. See state-specific responsible gambling resources and terms at DraftKings.com slash soccer. And I'm I'm on the DraftKings app as we speak right now, so I've got all the odds in front of me for the uh, the matchups that we know of in the knockout stage and still some of the group stage matches to come. Obviously, the one I'm most intrigued by is the Netherlands and the USA. Uh, right now, JJ can get the U.S. at plus 330, so they are underdogs. It draws plus 230, and the Netherlands are plus 100. Um, so 
there's that. Your biggest favorite right now, from what I'm looking at, Argentina's minus 500 against Australia. Australia, plus, I mean, if, if you want to ride this one out, if you are just like feeling the Aussies right now, um, and you want to ride that, well, they're plus 1,300 to beat Argentina. That is, they are massive underdogs. I don't know. We'll talk about that. I mean, obviously, we'll get to uh, to their advancing and the reaction that went down in Australia, which was once again epic. Um, so yeah, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app because everything's here. It's all here for you to uh, to go and, and have some fun with. Uh, so even the games that you may not feel emotionally invested in, well, you can become emotionally invested on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So check it out. Um, JJ, let's get into some of the stuff that went down today because it was, it was once again just like the height of drama, riveting stuff. Spain, Germany, Belgium, so many of the big names all involved. I want to start with Belgium. Uh, gone. Gone. Roberto Martinez, gone. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to view this one because Belgium, for the most part in this tournament, have been, I mean, they've been disappointing. And of course, that was a ca- that was the case once again today. They did not score. But it's just a weird thing to see a team exit a game with a, a an XG of almost three and a half and obviously not score a goal. Like, you want to be mad at them. You got to finish your chances, of course. But Lord knows they're generating opportunity after opportunity. It's not like they were playing dull, turgid football. It wasn't like that. I mean, it was a thrill a minute. They just, they just couldn't finish. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still think you know Croatia carried a threat in this game, and there was times when they looked far the superior side in terms of of passing. But Belgium looked much, much better. They started with Leandro Trossard. They started with Dries Mertens. And at halftime, they substituted out um, Dries Mertens and brought in Romelu Lukaku. Now, I tweeted, I wouldn't have done that. But I understand why you do that. He is the record goal scorer in Belgian football. He is a guy who can get you goals. He is a guy who is not fit and clearly out of form. I could not have predicted the horror that would unfold in front of me in this game. Now, there was other Belgian players, Carrasco in particular, who missed chances, or a real chance for him. But for Lukaku, he racked up in 45 minutes 1.98 XG and somehow did not score a goal. It's almost impossible. Let me take you through it. He, after Carrasco slaloms through, there's the save, the ball spills for him. He has a defender or two, I wouldn't say in his way, but certainly in front of the goal. But the whole goal is there. He hits the inside of the post and it spins out away. Then uh, Mounier hits him with a pass. It's coming at him quickly, but he's still only about five, six yards out. And he, and he flicks wide. Then, I mean, just a, the most inexplicable one. Torgan Hazard crosses in. The Croatian goalkeeper stranded. It sails over his head beyond him. And Lukaku has an open net. I don't know why he didn't just try and 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 open out with his foot and just tap home. It's. I mean, it's the goal's right there, and he tries to do a, a Dempsey versus Portugal and hit it in with his his torso, and he just whiffs it. It just comes off him and goes out the other way. Horrifying. And then there's a cross in the ninety second minute. It's flicked toward him, and right as he thinks he's going to tap home, the unbelievable young defender, Gvardiol, nips in and stretches to hook the ball away from him. And then we saw just some really anguish scenes 
from Lukaku where he he destroys the side panel of one of the dugouts. He is inconsolable, screaming. He's in absolute anguish and tears. It was it was hard to watch, actually, um, because you don't want to see anyone go through something like that, especially a guy who's super online and super aware of the criticism he's got down the years. Where's your first touch? Couldn't finish your dinner. Even though he's been a striker that's had some some unbelievable scoring he's been uh, great. seasons. Just a terrible moment for him. He went into the tournament undercooked, not fit, not a ton of games. And um, see, even that doesn't explain just how awful that game was for him and for Belgium. Yeah, unforgettable for all the wrong reasons. And, you know, we spoke about this generation of Belgian players and how this is all going to be remembered. Um, I wonder now if it's colored a little bit differently because of the ending. Maybe that's not fair, but I think with this sort of, I mean, it's just not, you know, I don't think anybody necessarily thought that this team was capable of, of finishing off this era by going on a run here and winning this tournament. But to go out like this mm. in the group stage, it just leaves such a bitter taste in your mouth. Uh, again, I do think that for what Belgium were in the two World Cups and for most of their history, uh, leading up to when this generation started to take hold. I do think that they they actually fulfilled a good amount of the promise. Not as much maybe as some would have hoped, but you know, a third place finish at a World Cup, um, a quarterfinal appearance at a World Cup. Um, you know, this is this is somewhat of uncharted territory for Belgium in their history. Only in brief flashes have they done these things before. But to end it like this, I think it's gonna be hard to wipe this taste out of your mouth and remember this era fondly after this. I I I, I tend to agree with you. Um, for the most part. Gavin Cooney had a very good tweet. So Mar- Mar- Martinez has been getting it. Roberto Martinez has been getting it for the last few days um, w- leading up to this game about the wasted golden generation. But Gavin Cooney tweeted the age profile of the players. And you know when Belgium were in the sweet spot, Andrew? Um, the tw- Was it the 14 World Cup? 2016 European Six. Championships. Okay. It was right it was right there. 2018, they finished third in tw- in the world in 2018. We forget that because they went out kind of meekly to France. They are unfortunate that, that there's been a re- such a revival in French football. Germany's been decent through this period too. I mean, they've won a World Cup in 2014. They've been unlucky that there have been other good sides and there has been the rise of of Croatia as well who played in the World Cup final in 2018. Um, so finishing third in the world under, under Martinez, that's pretty good. But it was your man, the man who you, I mean, people who didn't listen to this pod early on, but from about 2014 to 2016, Belgian manager Mark Vilmots was just a kicking bag. We destroyed him how many, just so regularly for his decisions, for the way he ran that squad. Um, I mean, you loved, how many times was he your... Um, Red card. He, multiple times. Multiple times. I barely for, remember for, why, but weirdly, he <laughs> that happened multiple times, yes. It did. So so the, the, the flop was the defeat to Wales in the quarterfinals of the 2016 European Championships. That was the flop for this generation because they, they could have won the European Championships that year. Uh, certainly, look who won it. I mean, a, a very, very middling Portugal side. And then they would have gone in and finished third in the world. And then you're looking at golden generation fulfilled, third place in a World Cup and a European Championship. So yeah. 
I, I think that's probably a fairer uh, way to analyze it. But you are right. Sour taste in the mouth with the way it finishes. And, um, and out they go. And you wonder what, I mean, they'll still be a decent side, whoever comes sure. in after Martinez. But, but um, this was unique. To have a De Bruyne, yeah. a Hazard, a Lukaku, you know, Vertonghen and Alderweireld at the back, not to mention, you know, Vermeulen for a while there. Like, they were elite up and down that lineup. And that's, you know, that's just not, it's not something they're accustomed to. Sure, they'll get flashes of like one great player, a couple great players at a time, but they had them everywhere. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a complex legacy that they leave behind. And there's no guarantee that they'll be able to get quite back to these heights again. No. Um, so and it's, that's, I, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yet. We're still kind of in it. It's hard for me to know exactly how this will all be looked back. No, on. but it's a, it's a warning in international football, though. You know, tomorrow is not promised. You don't look at your players and say, well, he's tw- he's only 22 now. He's only 23 now. It doesn't matter what we do in this tournament because in four years' time, they'll be at their peak and we'll do X and we'll do Y. Doesn't work like that. Just doesn't work like that. Seize the moment. Seize the chance. And the big chance is 2016. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I'm just looking at it now, JJ. Like, their European championships history didn't qualify in 88, 92, 96. Did in 2000 um, when they they were the ho- they co-hosted it with the Netherlands that year. Yeah. Didn't get out of the group stage. Then no. didn't qualify in 04, 08, 12. Then the golden generation kicks in. Back-to-back quarterfinal appearances, which, like, when you compare that with their history, they'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. But because well, of they the finished talent third. they had... They finished third in the world in 1986 as well. So what's been sandwiched in between was bad, but they've had two golden generations within 40 years. That's right. that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for so a country we'll of they, their size. We'll see where they go next, but it's going to be hard for them to reach the kind of heights that or, or the expectations uh, that they had had for the last eight years or so um, with this group. Um, so, yeah, a strange end, infighting, under fulfilled promise. It's it was, it was certainly not the lasting image that you would have wanted for this Belgian side. Um, we'll see if if time heals those wounds and people remember the good times. Like you said, that third place finish, um, that win against Japan that they had in the World Cup. How thrilling that was! One of the great World Cup games of probably the last twenty years or so. We'll see. Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no question about this one. Maybe the biggest disappointment of the tournament. But there is competition for that title. JJ, we'll go through some of those right now. First off, I guess we'll start with the good as we uh, as we look at Spain, who they they back into the next round. This did not go up the way that they had that they had planned. They took the one nil lead on a Alvaro Morata goal, um, but Japan once again come storming back. Before we get to the Japan side of this, um, with regards to Spain, uh, you know, a couple things here that are interesting to me. One, I mentioned Morata. JJ, do you think? Is he ascending to being one of the elite country over club guys? Like, I'm not saying he's bad for his in club play, but uh, Opta Joe tweeted that um, Alvaro Morata has scored nine goals at the World Cup and European Championships since 2016, more than twice as many as any other Spanish player in this period. Morata, yeah. <laughs> he he still doesn't feel like Miroslav Klose, but. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, he's 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 an answer to a question that that Spain have had, and an answer to a question a lot of countries have had. I, I was looking at a thread on Twitter. Not a lot of countries have uh, that out and out number nine anymore. It's things have changed, formations have changed, tactics have changed. 
Um, but he did the job today and, or to an extent, they, he half did the job. Spain half did the job. And then the second half, uh, Miguel Delaney tweeted it was the second half of arrogance. Um, now, I think Japan are good and they're capable of upping their game and they're capable of making tactical changes to get themselves into back into a game. But there certainly had to be some kind of a, a step off from Spain. And I wonder about Spain because they should have finished Germany off in the last game as well. I mean, they they were nearly home and hosed and qualified and they let uh, full Krug in for that for that goal, which should never have happened. And um, I wonder if there is a, a little complacency in that Spanish side, and we've seen it twice now at the tournament. And, and, and you're right, they did reverse in. Um, but you've got to give credit to Japan. And you also have to give credit to geometry and to spheres and to the ability of... Well, it's, it's, it is just one of the great phrases in football that you hear up and down every field in amateur football every Sunday. When, it, when the ball goes out on the sideline and someone just toes it and keeps it in and then the linesman flags the other way and you hear, no, howl of the bowl, it's the howl of the bowl. It's the one rule that, or the one law, excuse me, that gets retweet, or retweeted and, um, and re-said and re-spoken every weekend. I don't know how many times I've used that argument. The ball's clearly out, but I've gone, hole of the ball, hole of the ball. So I don't think the ball was clearly out. I think this is a hole of the ball situation. I think they got it right. I think they got it right. Now, there's another part of me that says, we would know for sure if this was the goal line. Like the goal line between the posts. Mm -hmm. We'd know know without a doubt. With that technology, it's perfect. More or less perfect. Usually. Um, Usually, uh, Aston Villa. What was it, Aston Villa that would (laughs) beg the difference? Aston Villa and Sheffield United. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Um, But it's usually perfect. Uh, And... Uh, but we don't have that on the end line, so we had to use the old cameras. But I I think they got it right. By the way, the Lukaku, I, I forgot one Lukaku mischance, which was the header. Yeah. That came back to him. I was um, going to bring and, that up, but you were you were rolling. Yeah, but De Bruyne looked like he, that ball looked like it was out too, but whatever. Um. So, so Japan, I mean, it's not like Japan didn't deserve it. They really, really fought to get back into the game, and they got that little bit of luck on the decision, I guess. Uh, and they beat Spain. And Japan are so so weird. Has anyone ha- ever had a set of results like this in the group? You're, you've lost. You're losing at halftime to Germany. You come back and beat them. You're losing at halftime to Spain. You come back and beat them. In between, you get done by Costa Rica. Right. The Costa Rica team that just lost 7-0 to, to the Spain team you just beat. Makes no this, sense. This group, when we saw this one announced... It, like, could anyone on earth have predicted that it was going to go the way that it did? I mean, JJ, we, that like two minute period of time, I wish we could almost freeze that period of time when we all thought that both Japan and Costa Rica would be going through from this group with Spain and I, Germany going home. I was horrified because we've got some aggressive Costa Rican listeners who hate the fact that we don't talk enough about them and we always play them down. Yeah. And they would have they would have been demanding, very demanding. I mean, the goal that they scored to put themselves ahead against Germany. <laughs> Vargas. Now someone someone said that they're giving that as a Manuel Neuer own goal. No, no, no. That hit Vargas either on the arse or on the hip. And it was I mean it was terrible goalkeeping by Nori or who's had a not a good tournament. 
Um, and the ball ends up in the back of the net. And I thought, are Germany going to get CONCACAFed? Are they seriously going to get CONCACAFed here? But uh, our boy Fulkrug had a wonderful back heel that put in Kai Havertz. They go 2-2. Then they go 4-2. But it mattered not a jot, Andrew, because Japan held on. Yeah. Um, do, you, uh, do you wonder at all if Japan and Spain, as the clock was kind of ticking down there, if there was any kind of like unspoken agreement, like let's all just not mess this up for one another? No, I think Spain were going for it. Danny Olmo had a, had a strike and uh, he looked as if he was frustrated by the fact they couldn't break through the Spanish towards the end of that game. I don't think so. I, I always go back and tell you about the time where um, uh, the Dutch and the Irish were in a group with England and Egypt at Italia 90 and halfway through the game, they found out that all they needed was a draw and everyone would go through. And uh, uh, Rude Hullett and uh, Mick McCarthy said, all right, you pass it around a little bit, then you thump it long to us, then we'll pass it around a little bit. But nobody told Ray Houghton and he started pressing the Dutch. (laughs) And the Dutch are like, hey man, why don't you cool down? Yeah. Uh, we'll have more Dutch impressions later on, by the way. Thank better, God. Better thank ones. God. Better ones. Um, two other notes on this. JJ, uh, I saw like um, Max Bretos tweeted, in the end, Spain get a favorable round of 16 match with Morocco. They get out of the top half of the bracket with Argentina, Brazil, and they knocked out Germany. Sometimes when you lose, you win. I mean, like, they... This did not go according to plan by any stretch of the imagination. And but Morocco it, are going to give them problems. Certainly. They're, there's no question about that. But when you look at the, the totality of the picture, like, you know, this is sort of what happened with England, except more that was more so by design at the last World Cup. When, remember, England played their, like, their C squad for the final group stage match. Yeah. Not saying yeah, they yeah. tanked it, but they were willing to lose because, like, look, it wound up, it, it gave them that path to the semifinal and even the semifinal, it was still a matchup with Croatia. No offense to Croatia, but it's not like it was Brazil or, or you know, France or one of those teams. Um, so, like, sometimes it, it just works out this way. It's just literally the luck of the draw. Uh, so, you know, while Spain may not be feeling good about the way this went down, when they now look at it, if they've been humbled a little bit, like you talked about complacency, I would like to think, if that's the case, that this served certainly as a wake-up call for them for just how close this one got to completely blowing up in their face. And now they're on the, I guess, the right side of the bracket in terms of going on to make a run. So in the end, this, who knows, two weeks from now, we may be, this may be all a distant memory. We, we may not even remember the bizarreness of this final day for them. I guess that remains to be seen. Hansi um, Flick is calling for a Germany reboot after humiliating World Cup exit. So that would be Das Reboot 2 for Rafa Honigstein. So uh, Rafa's already writing the book. (laughs) Yeah. um, I guess we'll see what that looks like. You know, two years from now, they'll have a a Euros, and I don't know how many of these players will be a part of that team. I would think still a good good chunk of it. Dude, whatever it is, whatever it is about them, they stink. They are just, they're not flowing. They're, they're not, they're not even. They don't feel as good as the 2010 or 2014 versions. But like, you know, so just, so, what does this reboot? What does a German reboot look like? I, I mean, we're I, talking about obviously guys like Thomas Muller will be will move on. Yeah, um, Neuer. But, like, but you know, what are we talking in terms of? 
I don't know. I mean, like, like I, Musiala is a stud. Like, I think well, even even in this, I, I saw another tweet, JJ, from John Muller. He tweeted, if Jamal Musiala were a sovereign country, he'd be top 10 for successful dribbles in this tournament. He had 18 all by himself. 22 teams at this tournament have had fewer than Jamal Musiala alone. 100%. I, I agree with you. He's He is the bright spark. So you're. I think you're building a team around guys like him. I still think there's a lot from Serge Gnabry, uh, or Gnabry, rather, Um I think you saw what Kai Havertz. Yeah, I know, but nah, they're just there's. I thought Flick was going to go in there and he was going to do a bearing on it. Like I thought he was going to go in, and all of a sudden, like because think of the way he after Nico Kovac, the way he came in and he just transformed that Munich side. Like all of a sudden, they were playing like really good stuff. Now look, they have more tools. They have a better team overall. But you'd think Sane, Musiala. Gnabry, like surely they can get something out of this, even Kai Havertz. But they're yeah. just they're just so blah. Now, I, I don't think Rudiger and Shula at center back is a good pairing. Um But Rudiger's I mean that, again, pairing. another player that like pairing. We're not moving system. Him on. System. I I I I'm not having to go at Rudiger individually, but he neither him or Sula work together at this tournament, Andrew. So I don't know. Um, Maybe that's what the reboot would be. But I would say this about Germany, though. Uh, so Ollie Hopkins tweeted, most XG in the group stage. Um, Germany had an XG in the group stage of 10. No one was even close to that. Well, we'll get so, on to more. There's, so they're there's putting more moves har- together. They're just not finishing them. Like even, even Brighton would look at that and be like, oof, that's rough. <laughs> uh, so it, like, it, it makes me wonder, <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, if we're talking about guys who are not necessarily known for finishing their chances, but right before this tournament, um, Timo Werner went down with an injury. No, come on. No, not at all. No, like, uh, like this is a guy who we, he's going to come in and he's going to suddenly start finishing. Maybe, 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 maybe the guy they wanted was there all along. Maybe they should have started full Krug every single game. Go full, full Krug. I don't know. I don't know. It's I just mean, when you a, see an XG of ten across three games, and you can't get out of the group. It's uh, I there, there's XG from the antipodes later in the podcast that's going to blow your mind. From the what? The antipodes, antipodean XG. What does that mean? That means down. It's, it's a common name for for you're going to make me give it away now. Oh, Australia. the antipodeans. Antipodean, yeah, antipodes, yeah. Oh God, Jesus. I know. Sometimes, you, guys, I wonder me? if he's ever cracked a book. Um, with, with regards to Germany going out, uh, I saw Ian Dark tweeted something. I don't know what I think of this, but I'm going to throw it out there. We can bat it around a little bit. He said, um, think what we are possibly seeing in Doha is a minor changing of the guard in world football, rising forces in Asia, Africa, and yes, USA. Good for the game. Is that happening when you're seeing I think, I think Germany? It's been, I, I I think it's be I think there's been I think there's been a slight change, definitely. Um incremental change over, over some tournaments. The whipping boys that were once I mean, I can remember a time when Morocco were, were terrible. Just a bad, bad team. And look at them, they're top in the group now. Um I think coaching's got so much better. I, the United States, the improvement in the kind of player we're producing, a hundred percent. But there's Can I also throw out a theory that's backed up by zero evidence. Yeah, go on. 
So some of these European teams uh, are loaded with, I forget if I've brought this up before. If I have, you can stop me. But they're loaded with guys who are playing Champions League and Europa League football. Um, This tournament, of course, is happening in the thick of the European season and the European calendar. Correct. Those players are probably a little bit more exhausted coming into this tournament. Again, I don't have the exact statistics to back me up of, of exactly how many guys on Morocco versus Germany are I know, playing. But, but like but I, I can't can help but wonder I can't help but wonder if, you know, you you look at a Belgium, you look at a Germany, some of these other teams, you know, even teams that have gone through but struggled a little bit over the course uh from Europe over the course of the group stage. I do wonder if that maybe was a factor here. If once we get back to a regular calendar and a World Cup played in the summer and guys who were playing that frantic schedule near the end of the season, uh, you know, and and maybe when that's settled down, we might see things kind of revert back to a little bit more of what we're accustomed to. Or it could be a little bit of both. That might exist. But also you're seeing improvement from other teams around the world. It might all be converging at the same time. Believe me, it is. It's all those things. And as a supporter of the Republic of Ireland, I've seen teams that we used to just knock off handily and they're so much better so much tougher look at even like before in qualifying like look at north macedonia taking care of italy like Uh there's a general improvement of standards that's absolutely true and i do think the calendar for the for the elite players is an issue as well yeah um Let's see, before we get to a little bit of USMNT Netherlands preview, I do want to go back and look at some of the results, JJ, from uh, from Wednesday, which feels like a lifetime ago with everything that happened uh, earlier today or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Argentina, I mean, man, made to sweat it out, but in the end, they do prevail. Um, boy, the messy penalty. When that happened, it almost... I mean, like, look, I have no allegiances to Argentina. If they advance, if they, if anything, it benefits. No, you're the old Uruguayan. You're you're old Uruguayan, Andy. That's that's yeah, your no, allegiance. But it, but if nothing else, it, based on the U.S. and where they're placed in the bracket, it, it would actually have benefited the U.S. for Argentina to not have advanced to the uh, to the knockout stage. But just something about like it wouldn't have been to the levels of Zidane headbutting Materazzi and that being his final image of, of Zidane in international football. Like, that is just so cruel, uh, such a, a cruel way to re- to kind of remember him by as a lasting image. But Messi having had a penalty saved in a game that might have been his final game, like, it just felt so wrong. And in the end, his teammates picked him up and they wind up going through, but they did they did certainly have to sweat it out a little bit. How can he be so bad at this? Like he's his numbers from penalties are terrible. Was like that the, a bad penalty though? I mean, it was, it was a, good, a little more. It was a little more central than he might have liked. But I thought, like, I just thought that was actually a great save. I mean, Chesney yeah, guesses right, I, and he just throws an arm up in the air and, and does just enough. I know, but like, it's too it's central. Pa- I get that, but it's 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 still a pattern of bad penalties for Messi. And, and you're right, Chesney had a. I've seen a, worse penalties than that go in. I'll say that. Okay, much. well. Chesney had a very good game. Um, yeah, Argentina, Andrew, I am not convinced by them yet. Um, like, they should beat Australia. Uh, Poland were... I mean, it's a disgrace that Poland get to go through. <laughs> it, it is a disgrace. They're shocking. Like, they're so turgid. They are... I know it's my favorite word, but they're so bad. <laughs> like, they're... I mean, Mexico, they weren't great either. They only played, you know, they only played in spurts. But, I mean, Poland, you got to give us something. 
into the next round. Just it's yeah. it's it's almost it's almost a crime, I would say. We'll get, we'll get to Mexico in a sec because that's a bigger conversation. Um, you mentioned the antipodes, JJ. Yes. Um, Australia. I mean, this is what a story. Like if if you think about the way this tournament started, the shellacking they took uh, in the first game against France, uh, for it to have wound up the way that it has, they've just kind of, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they've done it. <laughs> there's not like, there's not a lot of stars on that team. It's not a lot of dominance from them. They are getting like an opportunity and they're capitalizing on it. Matthew Leckie is now a, a hero yeah. in that country, definitively. Um, I, I went through their squad, JJ. I could be wrong, but by my count, I saw just one player who currently plays in a top five European league, uh, our Mabiel, and he barely is featured for the 19th place team in La Liga in Cadiz. Mm. Uh, so like, it, it's a lot of guys who are playing uh, in that league in Australia, um, some other leagues in Europe that, you know, like in Scotland, there's some Aaron Moy, of course. But I mean, this is, it's a pretty incredible story it, for them to it, get through. It is. And, and, and look, you know, to to come back from the the absolute destruction they got from France, but they did score first, so I suppose that probably gave them a little bit of a uh, a bit of a boost going into the Tunisia game, thinking, you know, I know we got bashed, but that's France. Nobody is going to be as good in this group. Um, they've been resolute, but they've been really lucky too. Um, great result against Tunisia, and then they met a Denmark team who just are not, in the words of Graham Souness, at it. Um, Australia have qualified for the knockout stage despite conceding the most XG of any team so far at the World Cup, 5.97. And Michael Kelly pointed out Aust- Australia go through on six points. Six points, that's two Amazing. wins. Amazing. Performances of 0.4, 0.5 and 0.4 XG. Tournament soccer remains undefeated. Look, so, I- like that, that... <laughs> That is where tournaments are just a different animal. They're just a different beast of football. Um, yeah, I love them. Like I, I'm enjoying the story. You know how I've spoken about how I just like yeah. I find their, their fan base amazing. And um, our listeners from Kirawee to Adelaide to Sydney to Perth, the people who listen to us are absolutely amazing. And we don't talk about the Socceroos that much. And they they'll still sit through MLS and you boring people with Henry Bushnell articles, they'll still be here. If I could reach through this screen right now. (laughs) But I'm actually wearing my Kiroi sweatshirt as we speak. I see that, Um, man. That's awesome. I've got the, I, like, I wear the jer- the jersey occasionally as well. So I'm like, not trying to like be disparaging in any way. You know that like I'm loving this this ride with Australia yeah. right now. But like the numbers you just threw out there, watching some of the games that they've played, <laughs> like I think it's okay to say that like yeah, you know what? Sometimes in tournament play, it's also it's better to be lucky than good. Sometimes they've been they've also been fortunate. A hundred percent, absolutely. But let's do something for those those Aussies, Andrew. Let's revel in Australian limbs. This was in Melbourne. The noise you're about to hear is when Lecky scored. And uh, it's something special.
Oh, wow. That that's those scenes. That's three thirty in the morning. Yeah, Australians. They're always at it. Always at it. Do you know what my favorite thing is? I'll tell you what. If I were there, I'd be filing a noise complaint. <laughs> that can't happen at three thirty. I'm sorry. I got. Do you kids. know what's so funny? I can't have that. I watched that video several times. My favorite bit is it explodes and they all start running around like it's a mosh pit. They're so excited. And there's guys wearing like puffer jackets. There's guys wearing t-shirts. There's guys wearing long sleeve stuff, jeans, runners, and they're holding flags. And then there's this one guy who just comes sprinting through and he's in a full business suit. You know, he's gone from straight from work. To the yeah. fan park. He's, he's been got, drinking. He can't, He got out of work. He's been drinking for a solid six hours until that thing kicked off at, at And he's going to go to work. He's going to go to work stinking of booze in that suit. I love it. Uh, who, whoever you are, Mr. Finance Bro, uh, well done. Well done. So well done to Australia. And, Real um, quick, I know we're going long on Australia here, but mm. can we can – we, I know, like you said, we have Australian listeners. I, I need their help. Can we have a quick conversation here about the utter chaos of Australian time zones? So the Socceroos Twitter account before the match, because the game was obviously starting at a weird time, yeah. you know, as these things do, they'll tweet out, okay, if you live in Perth, here's the time it starts. If you're in Darwin, Adelaide, Melbourne, wherever. And so they tweet out all the times. And so I'm looking at it, yeah. and I see, okay, Perth, it kicks off at 11 p.m., Darwin, 12.30 a.m., Adelaide, 1.30, and then I stop. I'm th- Wait a minute, 30? What's going on with these time zones? JJ, Australia has time zones on the 30s? What is this? They're that I mean, it, meticulous with the sunshine? It's an enormous country. It's really quite yeah, no, huge. No, no. I'm, I'm good with there being time zones across Australia. Fine. But, like, down to the half hour? Too much. Too much. It's weird. And then in the map... <laughs> When you look at it, so it kicked off at 2 a.m. in Sydney, and then east of Sydney is Brisbane, but it Brisbane. kicks off at Brisbane, but it's 1 a.m. there, but it's east of Sydney? Well, what's going on? Uh, I got, I don't know. It's very strange. Look, Australia, uh, I love you dearly, but you got to figure out this time zone situation. It's it's bonkers. It doesn't make sense. You've, uh, you've done math with the 48. 48- uh, team World Cup, and now you're doing time zones with Australia. Are you trying to drive this podcast into the ground? <laughs> Everyone, go, I'll, we'll tweet out this map of Australian time zones. Your minds will be blown, all right? <laughs> yeah, Ignore sure. JJ and trust me, it's weird. Half hour time zones? Who does that? It's very strange. Okay. I asked a guy that I work with who's Australian, he kind of just shrugged, shrugged his shoulders, said, Don't ask. Like, it's, they know it's weird. It's very strange. Um, let's see, JJ, Mexico. So I'll say oh. this before before we start and go in on what's actually happening here with, with Mexico. Um, I, I want to at least acknowledge that, like, remember I used to always say when the U.S. didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup and we go back and think about what happened on that final day. I, I always said, look, it's it's a disaster. We need a total rethink of what's going on here. But we also do need to acknowledge that, like, the things that needed to happen, that needed to transpire to keep the U.S. from qualifying for that World Cup were insane. You could say that a little bit with the way things played out for Mexico at the end here, with like needing the help from Argentina. How many di- how many goals did Argentina have disallowed by like centimeters that could have mm. made this like a, a cakewalk for Mexico? Mexico themselves having goals disallowed. Um, I mean, they 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 had their chances. It was just like it was again they did it to themselves. Um, but like my God, there you, you could also look back on this and say that just like. 
the gods kind of conspired against them in some ways to keep them from going through. It was really, it that's, was torturous for them yeah, to not have made it through. That's one way of looking at it, but they could have also been more adventurous against the pukey Poles in the first game. Like, they could have, like, you look at Poland and Mexico, that wasn't exactly a thrill a minute. And then... No, I, I acknowledge they did do it to themselves, but also a lot of crazy things happened that prevented it. Yeah. I mean, how many goals do we think Mexico scored that they had wiped away? Yeah, yeah. For Like, for me, though, I, I can't help but look at the bigger picture for Mexico and the last 18 months. Yeah. I mean, you, you pile this together with the Nations League. Well, here, I have the list here because there's, there's, there's a lot. Okay, well, okay. So, Brian Scaretta tweeted out, Mexico is eliminated. A brutal two years of soccer for Mexico. And then he has the checklist, JJ. Lost the Gold Cup. Lost the Nations League. Failed to qualify for the Under-20 World Cup. Failed to qualify for the 2024 Olympics. Seattle defeats two Liga MX teams en route to a CONCACAF Champions League title. Run of six World Cup run reaching the knockout stage ends. I mean, like, it's a lot there. And the thing... I mean, look, we know the obvious ones, Gold Cup, Nations League, what just happened in the World Cup, even the Seattle going through Liga MX teams. But I think the the one that's a little bit troubling, if you're a Mexican fan right now, is, okay, like, obviously this team, this current generation of Mexican talent, they're up around 30, a lot of them. Um, maybe it's time to start moving guys on. Mm-hmm. And in the past, Mexico has done well in youth levels. Uh, and there always seemed to be a nice pipeline of talent coming through. Right. But you start to see stuff like not qualifying for an Olympics, the under-20 World Cup not qualifying. Like You start to see stuff like that, and you start thinking, uh-oh, like, where actually is this program right now? Because it feels, if 2018, if 2017 was the, like, okay, blow it up and rethink everything we're doing moment for the U.S., guess what? That's where Mexico are today. I think they're at the same point. I, I agree with you. And there was a point a few years ago, well, it's it's obviously before, I think it was 2016, where we looked and we looked at Chucky and we looked at Tecatito and we looked at Alvarez and Guardado and Herrera and the levels of football they were playing at at that time. And then they had Jimenez coming through as well. And we thought, wow, this is a team in the ascent. But what we didn't realize that there wasn't a ton coming after them. Mm-hmm. and now the challenge for them is a is quite a unique challenge because that pipeline from Mexico to European football, it's not shut off forever, but right now it's dripping. It's not a flow. It's a drip, and what they have to look is look inward, and so, you know, that brilliant free kick from Chavez, you know, the 26-year-old who's playing at Pachuca in Liga Mekis. I mean, this is where they're going to be recruiting now, Andrew. Um, Hector Herrera, he's retired to... Houston Dynamo, I don't mean that to be disparaging, but that's him, you know, it's a lower level of football. Um, Guardado is finished for me. Um, will Will Jimenez ever get back to the level that that he was at? Tecatito getting older. So they're going to have to look within from within, and their own domestic league is going to have to sustain them, and the rebuild will come from within the borders of Mexico, I think. Well, that's interesting. Um, look, when the U.S. had their moment of reckoning, 
what was the big thing on a lot of people's minds. Now, sure, there were a lot of American players that were playing abroad. There have been since, you know, 90s, 2000s. Um, but, like, the the big idea was, okay, if we want this team to really go far and and progress, we got to have our guys playing at some of the most elite clubs throughout Europe. Like, that's that's the way this is going to need to go. We've seen how this has worked for Pulisic. We need this to be the model for more guys. And it has, and it's starting to bear some fruit. We're in the early stages still, but sure. it's it's working. Mexico. I mean, sure, they've had a couple go over there and and guys who are doing well, but it's not many. Most of the guys for Mexico over the the course of history and up through now, with some exceptions, they stay in that league, in Liga MX. And that has worked to a certain extent. It's gotten them out of groups, but but they shall go no further. Like, that progress has never happened for them. You know, now they're regressing. Is it time? Is it time that some of those guys kind of break away from staying within those borders and test themselves. Now, their best players have done that. Lozano, Chicharito obviously spent a lot of time in, in Europe with prominent clubs. Carlos Vela was in, in Spain for a while. Um, so I'm not saying Raul Jimenez at Wolves. Like, I'm not saying no one has done it. Um, but do like do some of the average players for the Mexican team that stay over there, would they, but, like, would they, but, would they create the more depth within their squad if they had more guys playing at, you know, I mean, in, even in, in, I don't know, like lower level teams in Spain or, or the Dutch air as, as a way of kind of getting breaking through initially. I, I don't know. They did, just I mean, wondering. these are, these are questions for, for European clubs. Why don't you take them on? Um, also, are they prepared to maybe go to good teams and sit on the bench? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. This is what Tata Martino had to say, who, um, who is gone now. I'm responsible for the disappointment today. We, should, we shouldered the failure we had in this World Cup. My contract ended when the referee blew the final whistle. There is nothing else to do, which is a very kind bleak. of bleak. And, and that sums it up. They're in a, they're in a period of transition, Andrew, and, um, and we, we, we will have to see how they emerge out of it. Yeah. And, and hope, hopefully, um, well, you know, it's good. It's good for Concacaf for them to be good, for them to be competitive. But um, right now, they are behind the I mean, U.S. We're, and we're we're witnessing their. This is a low point. Yeah, and they're behind Canada as well, probably. So there we are. Boy, that's a that's a big statement. That's a hard thing for a Mexican fan to hear. I mean, it I might, mean yeah. I mean, for, these, these these are the facts right now, Andrew. Um, as we move on to to the last remaining person in the CONCACAF Cafe. Yep, we're shutting it down. Everyone else has filtered out. Coming up on 2 a.m., they're starting to turn the lights on, but there's still a group of, of happy Americans that are not ready to leave just yet. JJ, here we go. We're preparing for, I think, what you have to, what you have to refer to as one of the most important matches in, in U.S. soccer history. Uh, you know, getting to the round of 16 in a game that I think a lot of people view as winnable, potentially. You know, Dutch fans will listen to that and they'll laugh. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, Can I, just before we get into the U.S., that you, you've laid out five big questions, and I, I really like this. Uh, I've, I, I like most of the questions, actually. Um, we almost had an international incident on the live stream where a lot of the people who were listening, and thank you for listening, you can catch up with that one on our YouTube uh, like and subscribe and comment and do all those things. But Andrew was going. They, they were commenting saying they wanted Andrew to do a Dutch impression, and I, don't think I, I did can. not. 
I yeah, I did not want that. I didn't I didn't want to be disrespectful. So we actually are going to revive two characters from our ESPN days, and uh, this is actually how Dutch people sound. We have two Dutch police officers right here. Hello there, it's me, Captain Stefan van der Hasgracht of the Amsterdam Police again. Well, uh, what about that? I I, pref- I still prefer Steve. Oh, could have gone with Steve McLaren. Steve. <laughs> yeah. How you say? Uh, this is uh, but you draw you draw Arsenal. Ooh, how you say um, top top team? Yeah, how you say? We say it the same way you say it, Steve. How you, you say? You speak English, remember? How you say the underdog? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you say it too. You say you it speak too, English. Steve. Yep. Steve, remember, you are an Englishman. <laughs> oh, oh my God, JJ, I am I am up for this. I am up. For this one, the United States and the Dutch, Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so here we go. I've got, uh, as we do before any any sort of big event, I've got some questions here that need to be answered. Right. We'll roll through them, JJ. Um, and I guess this is this is really the big one. I don't even know if we need ones after this, but the big one we'll start with. What is it about the U.S. that makes you believe they can win this game? Because I know you do think that. Uh, I, I, I do think that. Um so I'll, I'll just focus on the U.S. for the moment because I do have a bit of Dutch analysis um, that I will use in the second question. But I, I, I believe the athleticism, the, uh, the ability of this U.S. team, our ability to dominate the midfield sector uh, is, is the reason we can win this game. It's Musa, it's McKenney, it's Tyler Adams. Uh, I, 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 to me, they are the fulcrum of this team. They're one of the best midfield Europe uh, units we've seen in the competition. And they are the reason that I believe we will get it done. I think that Dutch team has been ponderous, slightly plodding, and the US are the absolute opposite of that. The key question, as I said, when I was on PBS is, will we score the goals? Um, Just, there's been some running stats that have come out uh, for the group stages, round one and two, uh, total distance covered. We have Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic in the top 10. I believe Adams for, is number one in the whole tournament. That's for running distance. So Tyler Adams, number one for running distance. Eunice Musa is down in uh, fifth for running distance. That is testament to that midfield and the dynamism within that midfield. You'll do well to find any Dutch players except um, Denzel Dumfries, who is in the middle of the pack for high-speed sprints distance. Um, He's right there. Um, Low-speed sprint, Christian Pulisic. uh, Top of the walking distance, Lewandowski and Lionel Messi. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, and jogging distance, Joshua Kimmich, uh, Aaron Moyes in there, Dusan Tadic. Declan Rice and, and Christian Eriksen as well. But, uh, whatever. But it doesn't matter. The dynamism uh, is there is there to be seen. And uh, again, I'll get to the Dutch, but I think we can overpower them in the midfield. And if we do that, we'll win the game. Question mark. Well, hang on. Who's going to score the goals? Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Before we get to the question mark and, and the Dutch side of this, because there are also reasons that the Dutch can win this game too. Um, but before we get to that, if we're talking about U.S. strengths... You know, we've we've 
slapped this question mark over a certain position for so long now. But when you take a step back, I wonder, JJ, like defensively, you know, center backs, it's always for it's remained this this area of concern. At a certain point, do we have to look at it and say, okay, well, we haven't conceded yet from open play. We shut out England. We shut out Iran. Um, like, at a certain point, do we have to look at it and say, like, okay, we can, like, this is a strength, actually, the way Tim Ream is playing, whether it's Carter Vickers or, you know, Zimmerman's had shaky moments, but God, what he did in the last 20 minutes against Iran, like, do we have to look at that and say, maybe we can keep this nil-nil potentially with the Dutch. Maybe they get one, we can sneak another and, and get this to extra time. Like, I think you have to look at our defense right now as a, as a huge plus. It, it is a huge plus. And I would look at that back four in, in almost in concert with Tyler Adams, uh, McKenny and Moose and that midfield as, as a really good, I mean, teams don't defend as, as it's not like lines, 19th century warfare. It's, it's a unit. Everybody is defensive. Like once we lose the ball, you get into your defensive stance and, and we've been good in that sense. I would say though, like the Iran, the, the Iran game was, was what it was. But they did not test us really, not 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 on a on a on a serious level. Neither really did England, and the Welsh did for a period in the second half. the 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 question, uh, another big question, is: Can the Dutch get at this team? Really test this backline, and um, and I'm I, not sure. I would suggest that Iran for the last twenty to thirty minutes of that game did game state game state. We fell back. But we, I'm saying there was, but the pressure on that defensive unit for the U.S. was intense, and they did and, not and break. No, I, I know, but I, I really would, I would be very disappointed in the Dutch if, with five minutes to go, they're lumping balls onto uh, onto um, Walker Zimmerman's head in the same way that, like, aimless balls in the same way that Iran did. Well, let's go to the Dutch now, and that's the second question here. What is it about the Dutch that scares you the most? Um. <laughs> that I am somehow massively underrating them. That I have not seen the signals from the first game against Senegal, the draw with Ecuador, and through the Qatar game. I haven't seen the signs that they're progressing. That I've missed something. Because when I look at the team, I am not overawed at all by them. And um, there's one matchup that makes me think... <laughs> We're in for a good night. So we expect the Dutch will play with uh, Dumfries and Blint. Blint on the left, Dumfries on the right. And I see um, our, our, our team of, of Dest, Musa and Wea, Wea in particular on that right-hand side, running in behind and running at Daily Blint. And I'm like, that could be a real area where we can make hay and hurt the Dutch. Now, I'm going to call this segment, very quickly, I'm going to call it uh, Daily Blind Blindness. Am I getting something wrong with Daily Blind? That you is the question. just call Daily Blindness? Daily Blindness, like it. Um, so, I just put his name into into Dutch Twitter. <laughs> How do you <laughs> so access just, that? Well, you just put in Daily Blind into Twitter. Okay. Um, and so, so just a couple of the, the tweets. No idea how Daily Blint is starting over Malassia, to be honest. Next one. Daily Blint is the worst starter of all time. Get Malassia on. 
Not going to lie. Why does Daily Blind start? Um, Realizing that every country have got a decent left back or left wide left back, I guess, and we're stuck with Daily Blind crying emoji, crying emoji, crying emoji. And I'm like, well, what? why has LVG got him in the side then if there's this kind of general consensus amongst the Dutch Twitterati that he's not very good? Um, then I looked at the, between the posts, had a tweet. So there are tactical match reports from Europe's top five leagues. Um, and th- their tweet is, it's a piece of land about five by 10 meters large near the left sideline, just across the halfway line. And it's owned by Daily Blind. Um, Daily Blind, 32 years old. Incomplete passes, 10. Complete passes, 99. Progressive passes, 14. One key pass. The progressive passes of 14 progressive passes is interesting to me. And it shows his targets. Uh, Frankie de Jong, Nathan Ake, Martin Darun, Memphis Depay 11 times, Van Dijk 9 times, which is as many times as he's targeted the key man for the Dutch, which is Cody Gakpo. So either Daily Blint is a key thing that's going to hurt us or our players on that right-hand side are going to overwhelm him mm-hmm. and it's going to cause serious problems for, where, for the way the Dutch play. That is my thesis. Now, the question was, why do they scare me? Yeah, you kind of got Am away I from un- that. Well, well <laughs> I did run away from it, but I... I, 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 I love your energy. Blood. I love the vibes. I love where your head is at. I, I, yeah, so, so Gakpo is a quality player. Like, he's probably going to go to Manchester United in the summer or they're going to try and buy him. Um, he's absolutely quality. But his goals have been kind of long-range. Like... Are, are we go if we limit him to th- I'm okay if he's shooting from 35 yards against us 25 yards 20 yards if we can limit him well his and, most recent goal was what I mean that was in the box that was probably like 10 you know 10 okay. 12 yards out all right and and he is informed there's no doubt about it uh Martin Darun and Frankie de Jong if that is the the two that play in the middle there they are quality footballers Davy Klassen if Davy Klassen starts are we are we really concerned in the year of our lord 2022 about Davy Klassen. Memphis Depay, an enigma. Hasn't really burst into the tournament yet. Haven't got him going. But he definitely works better uh, with with Gakpo than the other formation that had Janssen in the team. So I don't know what the Dutch are going to do. I expect them probably to play similar to what they did against Qatar. That's my reference point. Um, and I, I just think there are areas of the midfield that we're going to overwhelm them. And that's why I'm both scared and both excited. I'm scared that I'm completely reading this wrong. I'm excited that I'm completely reading this right. Well, in, in terms of why the Dutch would scare me, uh, I think I think you are right in a lot of the things you're saying. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I think the problem is the U.S., it could be another one of those games where the U.S. actually plays really well, um, You know, where we do see a lot of possession, where we do threaten. Um, but our lack of incisiveness combined with the fact that the Dutch, for whatever flaws they have, they do have talent on that field that it might only take one moment. Um, you know, the U.S., what we've seen with them is that, like, they just don't seem to really have that guy who can just kind of create something from nothing. Like like you said, Gakpo taking shots from 25 yards out. Like, maybe that can happen for the U.S., and we can get a goal that way, but it feels like the Dutch do have the sort of talent where 
you know, suddenly they can, a guy can just kind of create something out of nothing. And now you're a goal down. And now it feels like a mountain to climb because we have a, such a hard time scoring goals. So that, I, that's, that's the thing that I guess would scare me most about them. Can I hearten you a little bit? Sure. Allow me to hearten you. So um, there was uh, XG philosophy had XG created slash conceded per 90 World Cup 2022. So on the Y axis, you've got XG conceded. On the um, on the x-axis, you've got xG created. So the Netherlands are above the U.S. They have create uh, they have conceded more xG than us. This sounds and, very visual. And they've created like so so. Ba- well, I'll, I'll just tell you basically. The, is... the Netherlands have conceded more xG than us. That's good. They've created less than us. That's good. But there's not that much between us, I would say that. So you've got two teams here who <laughs> aren't that far apart in terms of conceding or creating. And we're doing slightly better on the not conceding part of things. That, that was rough right there, I got to say. You're going to sit here hey, listen, and, and make fun of me no for talking right. about math, and then you're going to talk about I Y ex- and X-axis. you got uh, some expl- nerve. I'll tell you, listen. That was listen. a visual chart that you listen, tried to use you got, through words. You ranted on about time zones in Australia and Henry Bushnell's 48 team. Um, I don't know what would you even call if it. If you don't think it's interesting that Australia has half hour time zones, I, I, don't, I don't know how your brain works. All right, back to this game. Back to this game. I, I, I'm, I'm just seeing lots of things. I, I just. Even with the eye test, just watching them, the Dutch haven't hit stride yet. Now, the danger, as I talked to on Twitter to Keith Van Hemmen, is that they are going to hit stride, <laughs> that this is building towards something. But I don't see it. Uh, the next question I had here, uh, any changes you would make to the U.S.'s starting 11? No. Uh, so no, it, as in Carter Vickers stays in next to Tim Ream? Carter Vickers stays where he is. Um, Sergeant... Starts if he's fit. Pulisic starts if he's fit. Okay, do, now we play the game, what if they're not? By the way, Pulisic, I, I, I don't see a world where he doesn't play. No. I um, can't envision that. If, if Sargent's... He's playing. I, I won't yeah, even entertain the okay, idea. Okay, all right. If play. Sargent's not... Oy, um, I mean, it, look, it looks like right now it, it's Sargent or Haji Wright. Like It feels well, like it's, it's one of those two. I know right I mean, now I, people are all over Haji Wright for... Not dribbling to the corner near the end of that, uh, near the end of the Iran game. People seem. I'm a just. Bit I'm more concerned right about the weakness of the effort. If you're going, if you're going to push your chips to the center of the table, Haji, you better be able to. I don't know how poker works, but anyway. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I don't want to envisage starting Haji right. I would prefer to start um, Sergeant. That would be my preferred. And I don't. I really don't know where Ferreira is on the depth chart now. Um. So there we are. Uh, let's see your X factor for this one. I'm going to go first because it's it kind of speaks to something that you were talking about earlier when you were going through all the daily blend stuff. Um, blind blindness. Yeah, uh, for my X factor, I, we are not getting through this portion of the show without talking about Serginio Dest. He's flying under the radar a little bit, but the guy's having a brilliant tournament at this point. Um, I saw that uh, PFFFC posted that Serginio Des has the the best fullback best fullback on the ball so far at this World Cup. He's number one 
among all fullbacks at this tournament with an 85.6 dribbling grade. Obviously, he set up the the he made the run and set up the header or had the header that set up the assist for the Pulisic goal. Um, he's been really good in this tournament for the U.S. at both ends of the field. And JJ, you're sitting here talking about what the Dutch have on that side, where Serginho Dest could be. I mean, it'd be him and Tim Weah, right? I mean, with the way with the form that both of those guys appear to be in right now, and you're going to talk about Daly Blind not really being able to move very much on that. I mean, it feel get get used to see a lot of play down that side of the field. That's what I would say. And the form I'm, those guys are in, I think that there could be a lot of danger there. I would ex- I would expect so too. Um, I I think I've already done my X factor. There's no need for me to go over all ground. Fair enough. Um, last question I have here. This is the JJ eye roll question. Oh, God. Um, we don't often go into this stuff too much because our, it's our belief that soccer has arrived in this country in a significant way. But even being of that belief, I can still see that this is a unique moment for this team and this sport. Um, so how important is this match from the perspective of soccer in the United States? Because I, I do I'll, think I'll, that this is important. I, I really do. I, I totally agree with you. I, I usually hate this question because I, I get asked... I used to get asked on ESPN network shows and they'd throw you that question. Well, so- by some- yeah. Why, yeah. Why don't our best players play soccer? If LeBron was our keeper, no one would score, JJ. <laughs> don't you see that? Is that what, what's it going to take for soccer to become popular in this country? If we had Kemba Walker up front, do you realize what we would have done? <laughs> you know? Ridiculous! Hey. Yeah, oh, and it's the, it's the most tedious thing ever. But I will say this. Um... I got into soccer. I didn't come from a soccer family. Um, I came from a Gaelic Gaelic football family. Italian 90 changed everything. Ireland's run to the quarterfinals changed everything. It That is a real thing. Young kids, uh, boys and girls watching this tournament, they'll go out, they'll be inspired, and they'll kick around in the park, and they might end up playing on the U.S. men's national team. And you'll say, hey, the percentages are so, so small, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you about a little boy from New Jersey who was 16 when he took up soccer. Like, that is, that's pretty old. Mm-hmm. But he got into it, and he was inspired by the World Cup in 2010. And he went on to go to college. And even when he was in college, he almost, in fact, let's listen to that little boy. That little boy was Matt Turner. Listen to what Matt Turner wanted for his uh, career choices. Five years, I hope to see myself working in an investment bank. That's the difference. Matt Turner, if he had never found a soccer ball, would have ended up as just a regular finance bro wearing a Patagonia sleeveless, uh, sleeveless gilet, wandering around Manhattan with a part, side-parted haircut, dating a girl called Lauren, and, you know, going to going skiing on Saturdays in January and, you know, and, and drinking on Thursday nights and living in Murray Hill and dressing casually like he's going to a boat regatta. That's what would have happened. That was but, very specific. Are you describing someone you know? <laughs> he would have had stocks. He would have had shares. But no, soccer saved him from that. Soccer was his inspiration. The fact he picked up a pair of gloves and started training, and he ends up at Arsenal playing in the Europa League and one of the best goalkeepers at the World Cup. So yes, it, to answer the question finally, yes, it is important because it inspires people. I, I, soccer has arrived here. But if we can bring in more people, inspire kids who maybe haven't watched the game before, like your Matt Turners, it's a great thing. 
I think a couple things here. One, this is a, a potentially small thing, but I do think it bears mentioning. Um, a round of 16 match on a Saturday in the United States, I think that's important. I think everyone, you know, much like what we saw with Black Friday, I think you'll have a lot of eyeballs on this game. I think that this there is this is a thing. This has become a thing. This has grown. Uh, and I, I think that there will be a huge viewing audience for this game, and that's important. So if they can go out and play well and win it, I think that, that whatever you're talking about, you know, somebody being inspired, multiply that by tenfold as opposed to if this was taking place on a Thursday at 2 o'clock when kids are in school. Um, beyond that, the reason that I mentioned the word unique in reference to this team and this opportunity, I think that there's something to be said, JJ, for how young they are and how well we're going to get to know them. Like, for example, um, I thought what happened the other day with the press conference before the Iran match, look, there was a chance for that to be disastrous with how that could have gone with just like the the veracity and, and the ridiculousness of, of much of the questions, the line of questioning that was being asked of our guys. But like the way Tyler Adams handled that, what was the takeaway? Like that was played on SportsCenter. That was played, you know, everyone has seen it on Twitter. It's viral. Now this country, people who are not necessarily huge soccer fans, they all feel like they know that guy. They are all proud of that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy is young. Pulisic is young. Reyna is young. Aronson, go through it all, chapter and verse. The team that the, that the U.S. just started against Iran was the youngest team in this tournament. All right. The United States is going to get to know these guys in a way that is is a little bit different than past prominent U.S. teams. In 2002, there was no Twitter. You know, we didn't see Anthony Robinson sobbing in the locker room after the game or him hugging and consoling Iranian players. We're going to get to know these players in a way that we don't haven't necessarily been able to in the past. 2018 would have been a chance to do that, but they didn't qualify. So mm. everything that comes with that, all the Good Morning America interviews that reach a certain section of the population, all the stuff on Twitter that reach another younger section of the population, we missed out on all that. Now's the chance, and the team is young. So you're going to get to know these guys, and you're going to see them again in a couple years years at a a gold cup or hopefully a copa america you're going to see him again definitively at the next tournament because we've already qualified for that and it's going to be in the united states and by then you're going to know these players you're going to continue to watch them grow and come to really like them because of the, the the way and the access that we have to seeing what they're all about off the field so you know if they go on and win you you extend that for another week and you bring more people into the fold and it's another week of videos on social media behind the scenes watching these guys and getting to know them this team is lovable, not just likable. This is a lovable group of young, exciting, fun players. And so I think that there's a chance for this country to connect with this team in a way that is is unique to teams of the past that we certainly we loved. Clint Dempsey will forever be my favorite American soccer player. But just the access that we have to this group and how young they are, this is different. This is different. And if they can go out and fulfill this and, and, and pull this off and keep this run going, oh. It just think of think of where this could go. It's it's really fun, man. I, I hope it continues. I really do. I I think it can, and I think it will. Speaking before we get out, speaking of inspiration and bringing people into the soccer fold, we've done that. Oh, I got this email r- right before we recorded. I I hadn't noticed it in the inbox. It's from Will. Hopefully, I'm not too late to miss tonight's mailbag. Didn't do a mailbag, Will. But I just wanted to give you two um give you two a massive thank you. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way, but I've enjoyed this World Cup so much more because of this podcast. Mm. And I don't mean from the pods during the tournament as much as I love those as well. 
but it's because I would never have been this ardent of a US men's national team fan if I didn't give caught offside a try one time when I was all caught up on Gab and Jules. I'm not the most social guy to begin with, and in the States it can be difficult to find people who love soccer the way we do. Your show had me go from only getting score updates for qualifying games all the way to staying up for those late, late CONCACAF shows and spamming refresh on my podcast feed. I even went to the minus 30 game in Minneapolis against Honduras because I'm a footy degen. It wasn't that long ago that I probably couldn't name you a full starting 11 for the U.S. men's national team. And now I've researched every player on the roster and some who got left out. I absolutely effing love this team and it's all because of you guys. And I'm going to remember this tournament for the rest of my life because of the passion I now have for this team. So thank you guys so, so much for all you do. Sincerely, Will. Oh my God. That goes into the caught offside email hall of fame. One of my favorites I've ever heard. It's lovely, isn't it? That's awesome. That's what a so nice cool. way to what a nice way to end this podcast. Guys, I'm so excited for this. Honestly. Ooh. I, I Ooh. cannot I cannot wait for this game to happen. Get we've ready for the quarterfinal. We've That's all how been I waiting feel. we've all been waiting a long time for this moment. Um, not just the U.S. back in the World Cup, but advancing now out of a group stage and taking on a, a you know a big foe in the Netherlands in a knockout stage match. This is just this is this is why we've done all those podcasts at midnight at two in the morning or whatever it was on, on qualifications in Honduras and so on and so forth. It's all been building up to moments like this. Again, like I said to everybody before the England match on that Black Friday, this is a Saturday knockout stage match for the U.S. men's national team in a World Cup. Enjoy this. Have fun with this. I don't care if you're in California. If there's bars that open up at 7 a.m., go. Bring your buddies. Like, really experience this to the fullest because this is why you are a fan. This is why you wake up early for Premier League games. It's why you follow the U.S. for, for some of the silly friendlies and all that stuff. It's why we bicker on Twitter. It's all for stuff like this. So enjoy the hell out of this. I know we will. Like I mentioned earlier, We'll have what we're expecting right now to be a YouTube live stream following that match. If you're not able to to watch live on YouTube, don't worry. We always put up the audio as a podcast on the regular podcast feed, so you'll still get it however you need to get it. It'll be there for you. Uh, I Go can't subscribe. Wait. Go subscribe. I can't wait, man. This is... I'm not ready for this run to be over. Win! Win this game! Come on! Oh, oh my God! The face, so the contorted pumped. face I just saw. Wow! I'm so you... ready for this. I'm so ready for this. JJ, this was a blast, man. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, pal. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.